Welcome to the Compass Church Podcast with Pastor Tim Jacobs, a ministry of Compass Church, Goodyear, Arizona. Join us now as we look into God's Word to be challenged and changed. Good morning. I'm Pastor Audrey, and I'm on the preaching team here at Compass Church. I was on duty last weekend. And it's kind of cool being a, a, a chaplain, and Brother Tim can attest to this, because when you're dealing with our servicemen and women and their families, they have a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous and noble mission, and that's to protect the freedoms that we enjoy. As a believer, we understand that inherent, those freedoms come by what God has ordained for humanity through Jesus Christ. We know that for his shed blood, we have an opportunity to be free, not only for this time and this place, but also for an eternity to live with him. And so every time I'm on duty, I'm always, always intently looking at, God, show me the purpose for the weekend that you have me amongst these servicemen and women. It's also a good time for me to practice my sermon before I give it to you as well. Well, in particular, today we're going to be talking about Psalm 139. And as I was going through the study with the servicemen and women, we have this thing on Sundays called Journey with the Chaplain. And what we try to do with Journey with the Chaplain is we try to look at the Word of God and try to do life better, is what we do. Not so much in a sermonette style, but more of a dialogue where we open up the Bible, we sit around a table, and we get after it. In particular, last Sunday, there was this young lady. It couldn't have been no more than about 25. It's a very young lady. And she shared with the group, she said, she said, I am going to go on IRR. Now, for those of you guys who've been in the military, you know that IRR is what they call, it's a, it's a reserve status, but you're kind of, you're kind of on the sidelines. Um, in the event of a war, if they need to call you up, they can, but you're not really activated in the sense that you're going to do your regular service once a month like you're accustomed to doing as a traditional uh, serviceman or reservist or an IMA. And she says, I'm going to stop. She says, I'm going, to, I'm going to just stop. I'm going to go IRR. And so all of us around the table, you can hear a bit of a hush because it's like, really, go IRR? And she said something that was pretty profound. She said, she said, she says, I feel like God has something else for me. And then she goes on to say, she goes on to say it this way. She says, she says, all of my adult life, I've worn this uniform. And she says, I'm scared because when I take it off, I don't know what that means. And right there, it hit me. Right there, it hit me, not only the validation of Psalm 139, but it hit me to the degree in which we struggle as individuals. That is to say, what is our identity? Who indeed am I? What is the day for, and how am I to steward that time that I've been given? Very, very serious question that we ask many times. Some days we feel like, man, we've got it. I've got a good sense of self. But then other days we don't. We don't feel that at all. This is what I want to do. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to meditate. I'm going to read Psalm 139 and then we're going to unpack the movements as David shares this song. There are four specific movements that David shares in this Psalm 139 that are directly fundamental to sustaining our identity. We don't need selfies. We don't need Facebook likes. God has sustained 
us individually as he has revealed himself uniquely through every one of us. Might you close your eyes and hear David's song as he reflected to the Lord. To the choir master, Psalm of David. O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path, my lying down, and are acquainted in all my ways. Even before the word is on my tongue, behold, Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in, behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too high, I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I free, flee from your presence? If I ascend heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the utmost parts of the sea, even your hand shall lead me. Your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark for you. The night is as bright as day, for darkness is light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My friend was not hidden from you when I was being made in the secret place, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. And in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me. That is huge. We weren't made for the days. The days were made for us. Very, very huge. When yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malice intent. Your enemies, they take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. And know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in a way of righteousness. Hallelujah. Lord God, be patient as we wrestle to understand exactly what you would have for us on this day. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And so, the sermon title of today is called Intentionally unique. When I first started preparing this sermon, I was going to say it was uniquely intentional. But intentionally unique seems to be what God has put on my heart as I reflect on what David has sang to God. It's interesting because in this section, in this song, there are four primary movements that we need to talk about today. Number one, the first movement in the song is, is God, search and know me. The second movement is, where can I flee from God's presence? The third movement is, is the creation of me. And then the fourth movement is, is God continue to search me. Let's look at the, let's look at the text. But before we look at the text, we always have to ask ourselves the question, what is the focus of this message? How does it apply to our life? And if there was a focus question, The focus question would be this, did God make a mistake? Did God make a mistake? 
We live in a world that tells us that everything we come to define, see, and know is based on emotionalism. It's based on how we come to interpret things. I love it so much with Brother Dave talked about before. When he talked about that movement from a postmodern perspective to a post-moral perspective, because that's exactly where we are. We're taking the very things that we see and feel comfortable in defining, and we're trying to put ethic behind what we see and what we've defined, but God has something to say about those things that we see. God has defined the things that we see, and we know that what he has defined, it is what we come to know as being true. Let's look at the scripture. And so David says, he says, oh, Lord, he says, search me and know me. He says, you know, when I sit down, when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path. My lying down are acquainted with my ways. Right away, we see in the movement of this song, we see that God gives us personhood. To consider that we were in the mind of God before we became absolutely blows my mind. I don't know the fullness of what that means, but what I come to understand through David's song is, is that David understood that God specifically, and, and, and he knew him deeply before he became to be. That's an important thing for us to know because when we think about God and we think about personhood, we come to understand that we live in a world with sin. And we know that personhood is not defined by, by, now get this, biology. Well, what are you saying, Arde? What are you saying? Well, we're in a world that's struggling with how to interpret biology. When we think about woman parts and we think about man parts, we're coming to find identity based on those things which are driven based on a sinful, sinful flesh. And we want to identify ourselves because we feel, according to the flesh, a certain way. But what about the individual, because of the sinful world that we live in, who is born with both sets? How do we come to reconcile that? I love what David says here. He says that there is a personhood before that. We don't have to limit ourselves to a gender in a sense. And so for the hermaphrodite, Man, man, the condition, the evidence of a fallen world. How do we reconcile those things? Well, we reconcile those things in Christ. Oh, man, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. Oh, man. Oh, man. Okay, so one of our first sergeants came to me and said, Chap, we've got a situation. It's like, yeah, what's up? Well, we've got an airman who is going through the process of changing their gender. And the first thing I thought about was like, what? Wow. Okay. And sh the person approached me and they approached me because they wanted me to be ready. God has an answer for that. In the quest of who am I, in the quest of personhood, this individual has lost their way. I have some theories on that, guys. I don't know that you care to hear them, but I'm going to give them to you anyway. I have some theories on some things. We live in a sinful, we live in a fallen world. And so it is my belief, it goes back to the very garden situation, when Adam refused to step up to protect his wife, it set this trajectory of us asking the question, who am I? 
That is to say, the very nature of the role that we've been given as men and the security that we were given to provide for our family, it was foregone. And as the story goes forward, we see, we, see, we see the woman take the leadership. But don't get it twisted. She's only leadership in the fact that she's mentioned in the scripture. The leadership was given to her because Adam is silent. And so when we see all of this take place, we see role identity just absolutely go by the wayside. And so as we see sin become because of the absence of God, we see nature, humanity, and everything affected. And it affects the very fabric of a sense of self. Who am I? There was never, ever a case that God would reveal himself through humanity and leave it for humanity to self-define. David knew that. David knew that. It's interesting because I didn't realize, you know how you hear the scripture that talks about David being a man after God's own heart. I always wonder, what does that mean to be after God's own heart? And I come to understand through this song what it means is it means that he is specifically defined by God. And when you talk about the capacity of being after God's heart, that means when he has those areas of greatness in his life and he doesn't know left, he doesn't know right, he goes to God because God is the one who defines his left and defines his right. Guys, this is such a serious thing. But for the believer, it's a tremendous joy because we go out, we go out with the victory of knowing, of knowing who our Lord is and what he has done. He says, you know me, you know when I sit down, when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path, my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. You know me. And this was before I came to be. You know me. Even before words on my tongue, behold, Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in, behind and before. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too high. I cannot attain it. I cannot attain it. Verse 7. Where shall I go from your spirit? Proximity. If the movement that David shares with us is that God knows us and gives us personhood, then it seems that it's not a far stretch to think that because he knows us, he's close to us. Now, what's interesting to me is when I think about proximity, I always think of like proximity in, in the spatial realm. Like, young man, you and I are pretty close to each other. Actually, you and I are closer than you and I, sir. But I think Dave is on to something a little bit Deeper than that. Deeper than that. You know, uh, Brother Dave has talked about a value of humanity based on being made in God's image. What does that mean? Is it possible that the very foundation of our personhood has something to do with the direct understanding of who God is and the image that he's reflected through us? Every time. Every time. Is it possible that when we face those times where we don't know our left and we don't know our right, it's in those times where he can define through us and in us our left and in our right. And so David says in the second movement of the song, he says, where shall I go in verse 7? Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? Look at verse 8. And if I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. Now, 
that is pretty awesome because it speaks more to the depth of who God is. So in David's understanding, he understands that if he ascends the highest, God is there. But if he ascends the lowest, God is there. Now, Sheol is a concept in the Old Testament that's kind of hard to understand. Um, Sheol, they believe uh, spatially, proximity-wise, that it's somewhere deep within the earth. According to Flavius Josephus, a Jewish historian who wrote many, many good works, many good works, antiquity is, is what I'm referring to in particular, he writes this idea about Sheol. He talks about it this way. He says, in Sheol there are two places. One we come to know in Scripture is Abraham's bosom, where believers who have a relationship, bless you, believers who have a relationship with God come to await to be in that final resting place in heaven with God, a place where Jesus comes to and fro. But then there's another side. There's another side that's split. And the other side is, ah, it's not a good side. Not a good side. Because the opposite is the case. You remember the story of the rich man when he died and he wanted to get back a message to his brothers? That side's not a good side because that side is the hell that awaits when everything is done. It seems to me that David understood from a spiritual perspective the depth of how God relates to him. He understood that in God's relationship to him and understanding and knowing exactly who God is, he could be sustained in the knowledge of who God is. This is why the gospel is number one. In fact, guys, I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, as bad as it gets, we should be more alive to share the gospel. Because everything around us, what is happening is, is our ethical, our moral framework and fabric is declining. But for the believer, for the believer, because we walk in freedom based on a moral standard that's been given through God's word that we know to be true, we can stand and redefine how this world goes forward. I told you I had a theory, right? I told you about the theory about Adam and all that stuff. I think men, Pastor Tim talks to men all the time. I think men, I think we are the key. And I'm not saying this in some puffy, wonderful way. I'm saying God has given us the opportunity and he's given us the authority to stand for his truth. That is to stand in how we've been made, to stand in the personhood, to stand akin in proximity with God, to carry out obedient living so that the boundaries and standards of the very life we navigate can be that evidence of who God is. That is to say, if I stand here and someone is going here, I am an obstacle to that person. The beauty of being an obstacle to that person is, is that I am a standard because I'm following God and that person may not be. And so when you think about the gospel, how dare we? How dare we not share it? Because every person that we run into, guess what? We can be that obstacle to give them an opportunity to see. Personhood, proximity. Oh, man, it gets so good. It gets so deep. Proximity. Well, what do you mean? Let's talk about God's transcendence. The fact that he knew that we were going awry, but in his love for us, he did not allow us to go awry. He sent his son Jesus, right? Out of glory, Jesus came. He came into our condition, into our situation. 
to show us the way that we would no longer tarry according to our own way, that we would no longer have to bump into things to find out what our worth is. No, he came down to show us this is exactly what it looks like to serve the Father. And all by the way, the Father has created you and he's made you wonderfully and he's made you unique and you have a specific purpose in which to be a modality of his love. Somebody say amen. A modality of God's love? Unique? Really? Yeah, Andre is a unique expression of God's love. What is my purpose? My purpose, is, my purpose is to be that love. And when you think about that purpose, it's amazing to me because when I look at that verse of Scripture we covered before, it talks about the days were made before the days were. I never saw that before. How many times have you woken up and you've looked at your agenda and you thought your day was going to be based on the ease of your agenda? That's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says that you are the agenda. In the sense that God's created you specifically, and that day he's created for you. I don't know, man, just something to chew on for a minute, because my mind doesn't fully understand it, but I see it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Wow. Verse 8, if I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the utmost parts of the sea, even your hand shall rest on me, your right hand shall hold me. Now look at verse 11. If I say, surely darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as day, for darkness is light with you. Many of us, at times in our lives, have dealt with depression. And in the core of our dealing with depression, we come to understand that it's a direct attack on self-identity. At its fundamental level, at its fundamental level, it's an unawareness of the place of oneself. We know that when a person does not only see themselves within the perspective of reality that they are in, i.e. this world and their situation of living, they can spiral very, 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 very quickly because it becomes this pit. But then there's other depression that comes based on chemicals and the biological aspects of it. But yet what David shares here when he talks about this this, the, the metaphor of darkness and light and darkness being God's light, he is speaking to the depths of places where we find ourselves at times, and he is saying that God is even there. Yes! When we don't even see light because of who God is and because of how he's created us, he is there. What an assurance that is. What an assurance that is. What a proximity that is, that when everything in our capacity of thinking puts us in a place where we can't even see, we are seen. What? We are seen. Now imagine a person that you know that's in that place, and they don't know that truth. And all they have is darkness about them. And the darkness seems to crush and take the life from them. Verse 13. Verse 13 in the third movement of the song, God's continuous search of me. 
For you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, you saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, and yet there was none of them. Precious are your thoughts, O God, that God would think of me. Yeah, he would. That God would know me intricately. Yeah, he would. That God would define me as human. Yes, he would. And that being a human, I bear his image. Yes, he did. Is God good or what? And so we see all of this stuff going on in this world, and we see all of this depravity, and we can raise our hands and praise God and say, you know what, God, amidst all of this, you still are. Amidst every single bit of it, you still are. And that is the mantra of the believer. Jehovah Nisi, yes, you are the banner. No matter how bad it gets, no matter what warfare I run into, I can swing the banner and know that you have the victory, and I have the victory in you. Why? Because you said so. Brothers, sisters, don't leave this place discouraged. Whatever burden that you're dealing with, whatever darkness that you're dealing with in life, God's right there. God's right there. And what is to come as your faith grows and as God continues to do what he does, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. The one of the things I'm continuously learning about God is he doesn't respond the way that I want him to. Okay, so I might have told you some people here. This year, this year in particular, I haven't said no to any ministry opportunity that's presented itself to me. What I realize is, is in my frailty, right, in my personhood, in my willingness to self-define, I realize that the two fundamental principles that were primary to any decision that I made was, is number one, am I available? And number two, um, do I have resource? And when I said available, I'm just talking about did it work with my schedule. Well, living that way, living based in self-identity, or at least trying to self-define, I come to realize that, wait a minute, I, I lost the place of where God was. Maybe somebody's been there where you lost the place of where God was. God, where exactly are you? And so I said, okay, God, here's what I'm going to do. Anything you bring before me, I'm going to say yes to. Because I need to understand the difference between my strength and your grace. In particular, I need to know where I end and you begin. Right? Right? Personhood. Proximity. I had a situation. Church I used to pastor... Um, a, dear, a dear friend of mine, and he was the only individual that I've ever baptized in a wheelchair, and so I'll always remember him. He came to faith, and we baptized him. Well, he passed away not too long ago. And being there the day before he passed away, um, his, his wife and his family said, hey, would you officiate the service? I said, absolutely, it would be my pleasure to, to do so. Well, that day came, May 24th, and I was in my office and totally forgot. Totally forgot the memorial service. Guys, talking about a sinking feeling in your stomach. And so as I was sitting in the office, I get a text from the pastor of the church. And I knew this individual because he was one who used to be a congregation member when I used to pastor that church. And he said, hey, what are you going to be speaking on? Because I'm going to be doing the scripture reading for the service, the memorial service. But I don't want to read the same scripture that you're going to speak, be speaking on. 
And I was like, he sent me that text, and I called him, and I said, oh, my goodness. Sitting in the office, I completely spaced it. Wearing my shorts and my sandals, whatever, I completely spaced it. Now, the memorial service started at 11 o'clock. This was 10.05. He was like, well, can you go home and then meet me back at the church? There's no way because I live 50 minutes away, and that's if there's no traffic. I wanted to say, hey, my bad, can you cover for me? But the conversation didn't go that way. He said, well, what size do you wear? I told him my size. Now, this guy's bigger than me. And so I didn't know where he was going with the whole size thing. So I got in the car and I went there. Now, the service starts at 11 o'clock. I get there at 1030. I walk into the office and in the office, there was a spread. There was a suit, some ties and some shirts. And would you know, the suit was tailor-made for me. Would you know the only thing that was a little uncomfortable was the shoes were a little bit big. That was it. But I got dressed. The family came. We did the service like nothing happened. The point I'm making is God's got you. God's got you. To vary, to ask the question, who am I? To ask the question, who am I? Is an opportunity for you to press into who God is. Because when you figure out who God is, then self will be identified. That's what David came to understand. I'm not making my own way. God, you've made a way. I don't make these days. You've made them and you've numbered them. You've numbered them days for me. My frame was not hidden from you. You knew what you were doing when you created me. And you didn't make no mistakes in that creation. Look at verse 17. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of all them. That if you would count them, they are more than the sand. And wake, and I'm still with you. That you would slay the wicked, O God. Men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with mouth intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. I do not hate. Do I not hate those that hate you, Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? Hate them with complete hatred and count them my enemies. Trust me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting community. Community. The fourth, the fourth and final movement of this song has to do with community. As we tarry with God, as we seek to be defined by God, we will have an impact and an influence where God has placed us. We don't have to worry about enemies. Although we identify them, God is the one who has vengeance. What an amazing and a powerful thing. Timeless truth. Look at the timeless truth. Let's look on the screen. And that did work. Praise God that worked. What is man? Now read it with me. You guys read the blue with me. Because I want you to hear this and I want you to think about this and know this. What is man that you take thought of him? The son of man that you care for him. Yet, and over the works of your hands, all sheep, oxen, also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the path of the sea, O Lord, O our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. God is mindful of us. 
He is very, very mindful. It's very, very intentional to us and with us. He's got so much for us, so much that he wants to do. And so you might ask, so what? Andre, you shared some stories. You shared a little bit of what David's going through. So what? Four things. Four things I want you to take. I want you to write these down. You don't leave this place without these four things. Four things that you have to know. Four things that you need to live your life by. Four things that might even guide how you live. Number one, God deeply knows each of us. There is no place where God doesn't know. No matter where you are, God knows you. Powerful and awesome thing. Number two, there's no place where his grace cannot reach. We talked about the depths of of Sheol. We talked about the heights of heaven. We talked about all of those things. God's grace abounds. You can't sin too far away from God. Powerful. Number three, each of us is intricately and specifically made with a purpose. Our design is specific to the plan that God wants to carry out in our days. The psalmist once said, right, this is a day that the Lord has made. Let us what? Rejoice, do joy. Not an emotion. Do joy and be glad therein. And then number four, God's protection is unwavering. The question we started off with is, who am I? Take a look at this video. Who am I? Am I what I do? An artist, an accountant, a teacher, a mother? Or am I what I've achieved? An honor student, an MVP, a winner? Am I the things I've done right? Or am I defined by the things I've done wrong? Am I a saint, a sinner? What about what others think of me? Am I all of these things, none of these things? Who am I? How I identify myself determines how I approach life. If I am what I do, I'll always need to do more and achieve more to find my value. If I am what others say, I'll always try to please people instead of my Heavenly Father. But if I listen to who God says I am and embrace His identity in me, I'll find the freedom to live out all He has planned for me. God calls me His child. He says, I am wise and restored, that I'm a brand new creation in Christ. I am chosen and holy and blameless before God. He calls me his masterpiece. I am loved by God. He says, I am made complete through the grace and mercy of Jesus, my Savior. And when I see myself the way God sees me, I walk with confidence because I trust the one who answers the question, who am I? Would you respond today to God's call? God's calling each and every one of us uniquely and specifically. Would you stop trying to go out and find it and make it your own way, define your own self, define your own place in this world? Would you submit and say, you know what, God, you love me. You love me better than I love myself. Jesus, come and save me. Would you do that? Are you tired? Are you tired of trying to do this whole thing yourself? Are you tired? Have you bumped your head enough? Are you ready to just lay it down? 
so that he can rise you up? Are you ready to do things with your hands that make a difference? Do things with your mind that say something. Do something with your heart that embraces someone. Today's the day. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. If you're sitting here today and you came in with the question, who am I and what's my purpose? You got the answer. You're fearfully, you're wonderfully made. And you're made by a holy God that specifically and wonderfully has a way for you. And in his way for you on this day, it's to love you and it's to use you so specifically you can't even imagine the length and the depth that he has went through eternity to reveal himself right now. How do you respond to that? You can leave this place and make no response. Or you can say, Lord, here I am. Pray with me. Lord God, hallelujah, specifically fearfully and wonderfully made, staggering thought. It's going to take an eternity to understand the depths of your love for me. Your patience, Lord, is just absolutely amazing. Just so patient. So patient. No matter how far I go away from you, Lord, no matter what sin, Lord, you're right there. You're right there. You don't drop me. You don't leave me. Hallelujah. If there would be one, if there would be two in this place that need to know you, pierce their heart in such a way that they say, here I am, in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us today. Why not ask God to change your life so you can go and change your world for him? To find out more about our church online, go to www.compasschurch.info and we'll see you next time.